Yeah, Stacey Abrams should run the freaking world. I'm Mike dropping them out. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I spent all of my young years thinking that voting in politics really revolved around saving unborn babies. I'm Meg, and the first ballot I ever cast, I voted against Al Gore. And I'm Sarai, and I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh every single day while I was homeschooled. So my political Same. leanings... Same Z's. Yeah, I know, mm-hmm. right? Whoa. The first time I met Lindsay, you started singing You two are educated. You're welcome. I only knew what semen was because of Rush Limbaugh. What? Rush Limbaugh taught us all so much. I only knew what feminazis were because of Mm. Rush Limbaugh. So thanks, Rush. I also knew, okay, this is going to be a weird one, but it does edge into political territory, though it is not the topic of our conversation today. I also was very convinced in 2016 that Hillary Clinton would not win just because I know the depth and the breadth and the deep rootedness of people's guttural hatred. hatred of yeah, her that I don't think Democrats know about because it's so I know about it. Not, like, yeah. I had that, you know? Wait, did you grow up Democratic, though? That doesn't seem like your path, No, no, right? I grew <laughs> Yeah. No. I mean, I was a Republican as a child. Right. Absolutely. I identified as a Republican. They did an amazing job indoctrinating me into those beliefs. I was right there with you, Lindsay. Abortion was it. Once they told me that Democrats all wanted to kill the babies, I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, fuck those guys. Deal breaker. Deal breaker. Yeah. And if you voted for them, then you're killing babies. Yes. And that makes you a a one, two, three, you know? And you're going to hell because gosh, such a good story. It is. It's a really wonderful journey. Yeah. And that's on purpose because one of the things that I have found fascinating and terrible and really mind-bogglingly frustrating in my path through and out of evangelicalism was the experience of learning as I started to awaken, I guess, from my just assumptions of being very well indoctrinated. I was homeschooled. My mom was very, very politically minded, hence the daily Rush Limbaugh dosage. Three hours a day, y'all. That's like a huge, that's a full on master class. How long his show was? Yeah. Is this in the morning? It's like first yeah. thing in the nine morning. to noon Pacific time. Oh, uh, which is where I was. So yeah, I literally woke up like that was my alarm clock. Wow. So my mom had it playing in every room of the house on a different radio. Do you remember Dr. Laura? Because she yes. was oh yeah, to rush. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was so mean. I actually, <laughs> my mom mean. outlawed her first. My mom eventually outlawed Rush, but she let him be played for many, many, many years. Now she doesn't let either. I think my dad might still listen to Rush if she let him. But my mom decided Dr. Laura was too mean, but for some reason Rush wasn't. He was funny. I'll give him that. I mean, he was really entertaining. I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He was funny. When I was a kid, I liked his show because it had kind of variety to it and there would be parody songs they'd make up about Mm -hmm. how bad Hillary Clinton was or (laughs) whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was fun to listen to. I liked it as a kid. We had a pet ferret for a while when we were a kid and my dad really, really, really wanted to name it Hillary because it's a weasel. That was (laughs) all. Oh, <laughs> you had to take me there. I was not getting there. On yeah, my own. yeah, yeah. Just what? If you imagine the creature. Yeah. The whole connection between the church and the Republican Party was completely lost on me as a kid. I had no idea. So I feel like I am going to be taken on a journey. And I think little Maggie is going to have a lot of questions this episode. <laughs> this is all super fascinating. And most of the things that you're talking about, I did not partake. So I would love it if we when you guys start talking about a subject
subject if I could say yay or nay, because I think I'm learning so much from both of you. I'm just a little student and you two are my professors in how politics and the Republican Yeah, I love that party. you're a student of like the horrible things that we were I just indoctrinated with all. when we were children. I, I just straight up believed it all. Like I, people were like this, this, that, these are the rules. And I was like, thank you. I'll get right on that perfect yeah. child. Well, you know, I mean, I think that there's alignment here. Partly it's that in evangelicalism, at least my experience in it when I was a kid, it was very focused on answers. We have the answers. Jesus is the answer to your problem. We have God to rely on. So we have answers for everything. Mm. And we focused a lot on apologetics and let's defend our faith and having these canned arguments about you can't deny the existence of Christ or Noah's Ark was found, like all these scammy things that aren't true, but we thought they were like, we were taught that they were true. But it's also partly because as evangelicals and in kind of religious indoctrination, there's a very important piece of it, which is we did have to make up our own answers for every question. Because if we went anywhere else for those answers, we would be confronted with cognitive dissonance that charged our ability to doubt or ask questions. So part of being raised a really good Christian girl, at least in my life, and I think for a lot of people our age and, and probably many, many others before and after us, was so much about knowing the right answer to the questions and not straying from that. And that's why we had our own version of science with creationism. And that's why we had our own version of music and movies and books and all of those Can things. I just say, I think we all got A pluses in creation science class, yeah. you know, and in Bible class and in revisionist history class. You know, I was an A fucking plus student. Like a 4.0 GPA was so important to my parents. Like if they're going to pay for private school, I better make the most out of it. My brother didn't have to. It was weird. He got C's and they were like, high five, $20, whatever. But no, he's a boy. So I was like, no, A plus or nothing. Honor roll, perfect attendance. I was never sick. Of course I was fucking sick. What? Okay. I was I not just, a perfect attendance kind of, but I was homeschooled. So I, I viewed I school mean, very casually. <laughs> <laughs> When I went to high school, I was like, eh, I'll just pretend like I have a band concert and I can't go. <laughs> I just realized how deep this really goes. I am shocked by the indoctrination. I am shocked that, I don't know, did all the adults know? Did some of them know? Which ones knew that it was a scam? Jerry Falwell, <laughs> specifically. I mean, in all reality, I don't think our parents knew that. I don't think evangelicals uh, yeah. today see that or understand it because oh. you're so deeply and you think inextricably entwined that it's really hard to separate out what your faith is, what your beliefs are from what your religious or sorry, your political affiliation is. I mean, it is religious though in these cases. So maybe we could start by a little put a finger down so we can get a little taste of Meg's familiarity with the indoctrination that she experienced. Okay. We've got the Stan Rush Limbaugh. Put a finger down if you stand Rush Limbaugh as a kid. Done. Put a finger yeah. down if you ever were handed a petition at church to sign for a ballot measure or other political issue. Yeah. I honestly can't remember. Me too. Yeah. Finger down for me. Like people would stand outside of the church. Yeah. Put a finger down so. if you ever were handed a Christian voter's guide yeah. when you were of voting age. My finger is down there too. So now I have two up. Meg still has four. I, I don't know. I'm I'm confused because when you call it that, I'm like, what? No. But then I go, hold on. Think back to the first time you voted. Did I 
look through a county or government issued voters guide or did I look through a different voters guide? Yeah, and great question. I think I looked through a different voters guide. So I'm going to put mm. a finger down. Yeah. The first time I voted was I voted at Biola University, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. They were a polling place. And as I recall, all the students were given uh, voting. That's what I recall. So yeah. How about this? Put a finger down if you were ever in a church service and the pastor preached about politics or political issues from the pulpit. I mean, all the damn time. All the damn time. Oh, yeah. I got got two fingers left. Like abortion? It could have been abortion. It could have been a candidate. Whether it was like directly go vote for Donald Donald J. Trump, or I mean, we weren't there then. <laughs> Thank goodness. Or at least I wasn't. I mean, it was George W. Bush. Yeah, it was George W. Bush. Put a finger down of that. So I would say I don't, know. I don't think so. I don't know. Right. I, we were Maybe we were square people are different. I yeah, don't know. we were a little just more into being charismatic and waving the flags. Holy Spirit. Yeah. I will say yeah. though, conversely, it's both because now that I go to an Episcopal church, they talk about anti-racism and we like had a vigil for peace after Trump was threatening to nuke Iran or things of things what like that. Casual so. nuclear war threats. Oh, those were yeah, the days. Yeah, cool. that was a fun time. So mm-hmm. I, I've been at churches who have spoken politically on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. To me, with my one finger left, I'll say yeah. the still at three. Yeah, I know you're so in it. So no wonder you're not as weird about it as I am. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. No, I'm telling you, I still don't know. I'm literally yeah. learning things. I've already learned ways that I was indoctrinated that I never considered until right now at today's age. Yeah. How do the kids say it? I was. Yeah, I was t- today's years old. I was today years old. The kids. I-, <laughs> I think that's millennials. How embarrassing. Just so those of you who can't see me, I am rocking a side part today unapologetically. You're welcome. Wow. Yeah. Just because my bangs do this naturally and I don't. I, I feel like that's just your body being like, this is what we look like. Yeah. Okay. Last finger down is, okay. gosh, I don't even have another one. I feel like there's got to be another Lindsay? one. Does, that, does anyone else have a good one? Hmm. Oh, my church was the location that you would go to to vote at. And you okay, had to so- go into the sanctuary. So if you were a non-Christian, it was like a very bizarre, odd place. Yeah. How about so that? Yeah, Put a finger down if you places. ever cast a vote in a church that was a polling place. I mean, I just said that I cast a yeah. vote at the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. That, that feels like... I feel count. like that's the same. A Christian college or a church-affiliated business. <laughs> or... Perfect. I remember, I mean, back before Oregon had all mail-in voting, which, by the way, is the fucking best. It's the best. It's the best, too. It's so You don't good. have to move here, either. You can just petition in your state. So sign those petitions. Well, only if only if you're thoughtful about it. You guys, it. I voted for, you know, George W. Bush two times, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I cast an absentee ballot. I was in Europe on the Croatia-Turkey missions trip. Wow. And I took enough care to, like, vote from overseas for that amazing mother. applause yeah. applause wow right. that is some good christian girling you yeah. yeah i really i really did wow. it up. and i as i yeah. recall i felt a little conflicted about this the first time i thought he was great and then uh the second time i was like a lesser of two evils situation is what oh, i was yeah yeah lesser yeah. of two evils i did not vote in the 2000 election so while you took the care to cast your ballot from overseas i remember having my oregon ballot on my desk in kansas 
in college, looking at it and not knowing who to vote for. And I just decided to tap out and not vote in a presidential election that year. Whoa. And the reason why is because it was my sophomore year of college and I was finally starting to take some of my major classes. So I have a degree in all things God and uh, therefore I'm very qualified to talk about it. <laughs> I have a degree in God. Yeah. So I was in one of my Christian ministry classes and it was pastoral ministry. One, I remember being in that class because there were a bunch of dudes in that class and me and maybe one or two other women. And all these dudes were like, women can't preach and women shouldn't be in the pulpit and women shouldn't be in leadership. And I was just like arguing with people all day in that class. One day wow. in that election, somebody in the class asked my professor, Larry Anderson. We love Larry. <laughs> hey, Larry. They said, hey, who are you voting for in the presidential election? And Larry said, I don't tell people who I vote for, but I will say my wife's a Republican, but I'm a Christian. And I said, what? I don't understand. Could you please repeat that? What did you just say? And he said it again. I'll say it for you. My wife's a Republican, but I'm a Christian. And I then had to say, no, but like, what does that mean? Because I can't, I don't know. <laughs> like, spell it out, please. I literally couldn't separate the idea yeah. of being a Christian and a Republic apart from each other in my brain. They were one and the same, mm -hmm. so welded and melded together that they were not different to me. Yeah. And just that framing made me so uncomfortable with my own assumptions and beliefs that I had to look for more information. And I remember him saying, because I was, I probably said something like, well, how are those two different things? Because <laughs> I literally <laughs> had no idea. And he, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, there was a, not a choice, like not like somebody yeah. forced me to be a Republican. It's just that right. I never considered, I never fathomed that I wouldn't go and register as a Republican when I turned 18. That right. was like a goal that was set in well, place oh. by me. I registered I as a immediately when I turned 18. Yeah. I'm not sure if I knew Democrats, honestly. Like maybe I, a few of them, a few outliers. I mean, we knew about Bill Clinton and he was right. the well, I mean, after, worst everything. Right. After all the rush stuff of uh, all the, the mockery and abortion. that he made. Like, and yeah, it was abortion. It was the it was an like, easy environmental choice, agenda. It was their taking oh. prayer prayer out of schools. The remember gay agenda. See you at the poll. See you at the poll. Guys. Oh, Praying around the polls. Y'all, yeah. I went to see you at the poll one year and a giant seagull pooped on my shirt while I was there. You guys, they would do see you at the poll at my Christian high school. Yeah. Why? We prayed all the time <laughs> in our school. Like, I don't understand. Same. I think we, they it's were so telling stupid. us that we were going to lose the ability oh, yeah. to pray at school. Yeah. That's what they were telling us. We, were, we at a private Christian school were going to lose the ability to pray at school. So of course we protested because we around were our being own flagpole. Always. That cool. is one of, I think one of the pinpointings in this alliance between the right wing and evangelical Christianity too though is we are threatened. Christians are persecuted or about to be persecuted. This is a very very long Constant. and storied tale. Well, that because we are up. from the tribe of Judah, because mm -hmm. we are Israel, like when the Bible talks about Israel, what they're really talking about is white evangelical American yeah. Christians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the story of Israel is an allegory for my personal relationship <laughs> with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, that's, just, that's all that amounts to. It's true. Like, that's just what I was like, correct. Yes. Next. Mm -hmm. I yeah. just wholeheartedly yeah. believe. Let's, let's be nice to ourselves like we didn't know, you know what we were yeah we were taught what we it were was taught. a really beautiful story to tell a child honestly it's like okay sure it's a fairy tale Ish. a lot of foreskin talk a lot of like <laughs> 
Oh, you, let's go get their foreskins. We Sorry, just, I was trying to be positive. I thought we were <laughs> trying to be positive. Uh, I'm we're just turning saying, over a new leaf on this podcast some- where we're just like, you know what? It wasn't mm-hmm. that bad. Just kidding. It, it was. <laughs> just kidding. I'm learning so much. My kids back to evangelical church. <laughs> just kidding. I would never do that. There's got to be some listeners that are going to be right along with me who are just going, wait, oh, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's keep digging. Let's put on our waders and we're just going to get deeper into <laughs> the swamp. So I did vote for John Kerry in a church and in a polling place because I lived in California at that time. That was the first time I voted in a presidential election. So the time between Larry saying one joke, I didn't get. And I was basically just like, I can't not get jokes. This is not okay with me. I then did all of this work on chasing the questions that he asked me to look into. The question that he mainly asked was, when I look at Republican policies, I don't see them caring for the poor. And when I look at what Jesus said and what Jesus taught, caring for the poor is one of the most important things that he talked about. And I had to go look. I mean, I was like, yeah, that's true. I hadn't really thought about it that way, of course, because why would I? have. It was so much about fear of being persecuted. It was so much of fear of somehow losing our rights as Christians, just as the federal government and state governments to probably a lesser degree, depending on where you lived, were making it safe for secular people or people of other religions to also participate in our society. Not saying Christians, you can't have this, but if you have this, everyone has to have it. Yeah, And that's one reason why I love the Church of Satan. Long story short, they exist as a religious institution just for the purpose of having the same rights as Christians do or challenging those rights when they're put up against everyone else. Having uh, 10 commandments in front of your courthouse, that's very specific to Christians and Judaism. It's not for everyone. And so I think that's a big thing that Christians have been taught is we need to fear other people coming for our stuff. And the government just wants to get in your business and tell you how to live and teach all your kids to be heathens or something. And that you can't have what you want. You can't do what you want on your own land. You can't whatever, whatever, whatever. And so it's all about the what you can't have. And taxes. We don't want more taxes. Could you guys remember in the 90s? That's all I fucking heard about. No new taxes. Oh, Rush Limbaugh would play on a loop. Bill Clinton saying that I will not raise taxes on the over and over and over again. And religious freedom, that was the thing that was drilled into us that our freedoms are being taken away. It's like the see you at the poll thing and the prayer and the, the Pledge of Allegiance and even now kneeling at football games or whatever it is. But it's like, we only want religious freedom for us and our religion. We don't want it for other people. And that's why it's so interesting when you see so coming selfish. up against whether it be the Church of Satan or whether it be Muslims. Because do we give Muslims religious freedom back? No. no because no. it's Sharia law. Right. They're going to kill us all. By their religious rules because our religious rules should be the ones that we're all ruled by, question mark. I mean, how is that different than Sharia right. law? It's not. It's just that to be clear. Like, things are right. Yeah, I don't think they're going to kill us all, to be clear. I'm stating from a, you know, what the fear-mongering people would have you believe. I feel like Trump really exposed that. He really brought to the forefront a lot of things that I think a lot of Christians would have liked to pretend that, like, no, we want religious freedom for all. But when you mm-hmm. see those things being actively yeah. taken away, it becomes so clear that if this was never about religious freedom. It's just about Christians being able to do what they want to do. Christian nationalism and white supremacy are basically the same thing in my mind at this point. Well, you're correct about that. And you definitely jumped the shark a little bit because good job. (laughs) 
But that, I mean, that is the place I was going next, for sure. I'd say arguably it was vastly reduced during the George W. Bush presidency where evangelicals could kind of get away with a little bit of plausible deniability Mm -hmm. because they were focused so much on what Republicans keep calling all the time culture wars, which they're the ones, you know, actually doing at everyone. But they would focus on these culture war ideas like gay rights and literally everything else that was freedom body autonomy yes all of that well and it was uh 9-11 too played hugely into how i voted at that time and how a lot of people voted and safety and not taking away our military and all of these things oh, and a lot of being fear bold yeah. in the, yeah, ter- fighting terrorism you know yeah all, all wow. of these things operation was, freedom do you remember all the names that they gave yes. oh, to gosh. all those wars what is that yes. the weapons of mass destruction you know all those ones that we found all the weapons of yeah. mass destruction we found zero we found uh-huh. zero of them mission accomplished right. hashtag never forget like, yeah and we forget forgive and forget isn't that a jesus way to go about things oh, jesus wants like, us to we're gonna wage war, war for the next zillion years because of this one thing that happened by mm-hmm. how many people you know this was not a whole nation that was like yes we voted we would love to go 9-11 on america that didn't happen right now i mean this is another interesting thing that's a part of our system too which if you really sit back and think about it and recall we don't really talk about this anymore because it's not top of mind but the truth is that both George W. Bush in 2000 and Donald Trump in 2016 won because of the electoral college and not because of the popular vote and so I think it's also really valuable for us to think about that and the power that organizing within certain communities can have on the outcome of elections especially in swing states and especially in places like Oregon where we tend to go blue but what most people don't know if they're not from here is that we have one valley where the most population is that tends to vote blue so we overpower the votes of the rest of the state but the rest of Oregon is pretty freaking red lots of them are like we just want to be part of Idaho and I don't need to express my opinions on that in case I ever run for governor (laughs) I mean I will express some opinions about it all three of us live in Oregon and there is a real possibility right now that our state could turn and it's important to not throw away a vote there is no way that a different person is going to win over the Democratic candidate. But it is a very big possibility that the Republican candidate could also win. If these are issues that you care about, and if you are seeing that as a Democratic-led nation, which is the popular vote of the nation, if you're seeing that that is a trajectory that you would like to see our country go, please register to vote. Get other people to register to vote. Talk to your neighbors about who you're going to vote for. And talk about the values of what the Democratic Party, what we, we get to be the Democratic Party in Oregon or in your own state, please, we have to make sure that our state doesn't flip red. It is a literal terrifying thought to me that we could immediately become a state where women do not have body autonomy just instantly and that we go after trans kids and that we harm people, you know, with government funding, with my tax dollars and your tax dollars. Like, I can't. Please help us not do that. The system is not helping us. Like what Soraya was saying with electoral college and all of that. Like, I think there's a lot of us that are burnt out. And frankly, 
I mean, I'm like barely a Democrat at this point. Like I'm a Democratic socialist. I don't even know what you would call me. Like the Democrats have let me down time and time again. And so I feel like all they do is just yell at you, vote, vote, vote. And we did. We voted. We elected Joe Biden and he's done jack shit. So it's it's hard. Like I'm talking, I'm talking local though. I'm like, sure, whatever. Federal government is fucking shit up left and right. The Supreme Court has so much control over our country. Like it's mind blowing to me that a single term not elected by the popular vote president could put three fucking judges in federal lifetime appointed Supreme Court positions. Like what are we doing? Let's not forget one of those was stolen because of Mitch McConnell too. I will say I agree with both of what you said. I also want to really make sure that what I'm saying isn't that you should abandon the Republican Party and become a Democrat tomorrow. I do think that because we live in a two party system, it's hard to Mm -hmm. legislatively slash voter wise change how that works. But I also think that it's important for people to think about what their personal human values are and apply that to voting rather than apply whatever the church is saying or whatever all your friends at church are doing or whatever it might be that you're being influenced by or just making that blank assumption that I'm a Christian. So of course, I'm voting for Republicans. The fact that 78% or so people who identified as evangelicals who voted voted for Donald Trump. It was the number that made me say I was loosely tied to evangelical church at that point. I don't really think I was going to church at that point. And it was what made me be like, never ever again like I I am done and I don't know that I can call myself a Christian anymore I mean I remember just being shocked and thinking well they just must not have been seeing and hearing the same information that I had been seeing and hearing about what he stood for and what he did and who he was but when I asked people and I thought oh you know they're not gonna align with the actual guy they're just gonna right. kind of be like well we're Christians so like against everything that Christians yeah, say they've for and he's like gotten divorced so many times and he's so crude and he's, he's literally said I don't need to be saved so I'm not a Christian because I don't need to be saved I'll always like, die what well, was it two Corinthians he quoted how he said that <laughs> that actually is my favorite moment of all <laughs> and that was at Liberty University hello Falwell. Oh, or the time that he tear gassed a bunch of protesters to go like read a bible right yeah, yeah no, he just the bible. bible in front of a church and just oh, yeah, and he, like, held down. The, he held the bible like upside down yeah yeah like super <laughs> super special super duper special yeah, um, so there's yeah, some issues. Yeah. yeah. Like I was saying when we were talking about Democrat versus Republican and our two-party system and all of that arcane detail <laughs> of how things work in our country, I don't want to get lost from the fact that really the way that we vote and the way we participate in our democracy should reflect the values that we hold as humans. And so as a Christian, I remember the values I had were based on things like the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self control and then two more because I always forget goodness was there yeah like goodness is in there and I always I don't know I literally have them painted on my wall and I love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness and self-control good job I always forget that's another jewel (laughs) we should start collecting jewels and just have have our Sunday episode where we wear actual crowns and did you guys ever do bible memorization? yeah like BBS or Awana, yes. if you ever did Awana. I did. Like, I memorized it. Hella verses. Yeah, BBS um, was, so was my jam. Yeah, I, I would I always win some big prize. I was going for it hard. <laughs> 
I was like five and I memorized the most Bible verses in all of VBS that year. And I won a Scooby-Doo doll that was bigger than me. And I was so obsessed. Wait, did it have the crunchy stuff in it that when you crunchy stuff in it, it wasn't squishy. It was like stiff. Yeah, it was like oh, man. Uh, like almost styrofoamish. Yes. It was yeah. It's like wow. what you get at the fair. Yeah. It wow. was like oh Did you like Scooby Doo at the time? I don't know. It's just like a really big stuffed animal that I I wasn't allowed to watch Scooby Doo. I don't think it was too spooky. You know, they I don't remember ghosts, like, Oh, yeah. there were a lot of ghosts. Yeah, I didn't It was, was just at my church and I was like, Yes, I'll take that giant stuffed animal. Wow, you guys sound liberal letting kids <laughs> watch Scooby Doo. So liberal about Scooby Doo. We loved ghosts. Just kidding. No, uh, I didn't and- get to do that at any like fun things i just i was at private you know christian school so we just did it like around the world did you ever play around the world for like math we yeah. did it also for bible trivia mm. yeah nice totally i think we should play some games <laughs> we should let's do it <laughs> One of the things that I've heard from listeners is they would love to understand, depending on where we're at with our religious beliefs or our faith, whether it's in God or in other things now, I am kind of curious about what your process has been in defining what your values are differently than you might have in the past when you could kind of wholesale adopt them from a group of people and then have that as a guide, including a physical Christian voters guide that still exists to this day, by the way. I did look it up the other day and found it and was like, oh my God, why? But just as a heads up for those of you who are Christians, these are not really necessarily from the mouth of God. They are from the mouth of people who want you to vote straight ticket Republican on things. So if you choose to use that guidance, just know it's for a political gain that may or may not be in your best interest or the best interest of literally anyone else, unless you're very rich and a white person who is also very rich. How have you found your value? And how has that been reflected in how you think about politics or political issues and how you vote? I think that my politics, it was definitely a slow unraveling. And I think that even with voting for Obama, I didn't think long and hard about it. I just did it because I knew I was frustrated with Republicans and I already, you know, it was starting to unravel. I wasn't super happy about voting for Bush, but I think as a young Christian, you feel like you're a bad person if you vote for Democrat and you're voting for people who kill babies. And that for sure, that was the last domino to fall. At the end of the day, I'm a registered Democrat now because I think that they do more to serve people than the Republican Party. Barely at this point. Like the two party system of America is screwed up. I'll keep harping on that. I slowly just started taking a look. It was like, uh, checks notes. Wait, uh, so you're against food stamps? Because why? Like, why don't we want to feed people? Who is that harming? And it was like, again and again, it kept coming back to the argument. And I was this way because I am a type A black and white thinker. And so for me, it was like, well, people are taking advantage. And if there was someone out there who could pull themselves up by their own damn bootstraps, it's me. I'm working hard and I, I deserve all the stuff and other people need to work hard. And it took me a really, really, really long time to understand too long to understand that it's a systemic issue. It's a system, right? And that I shouldn't be basing my politics on me and what serves me because as a white middle class Christian woman in America, you know, I have had a lot of things handed to me. And as much as I might think that I have worked so hard to get where I'm at, and sure, I have. I have worked really hard, but it's not It's not about that. The system is not serving us all the same. And I'll never forget the first time I voted for Democrat was Obama first time around. And my now husband and I, he was raised by atheists and has voted Democrat his entire life. And getting together with him, we talked through, you know, all of these things. He was not the first Democrat I dated. 
happened, though, I will say. I don't know. <laughs> I will never forget casting my vote for Obama and being in the heart of Southeast Portland. And we were in this cool apartment. It was like on top of the Albina Press coffee shop. One of Nick's mm. co-workers lived up there. And the room was just full of queer people and people of color. And they were literally crying and hugging each other. And it was so joyful and beautiful. And I felt like a weird outsider. I kind of felt like I shouldn't be here. You guys only knew who I voted for last time. If you'd only knew like how new I am to all this stuff. Oh. But I've never looked back since then. Like I felt really proud to be in that moment. And you know, now here I am. It's funny. I joke that like my conservative father is confused that I complain about Joe Biden as much as he does for very different reasons. <laughs> I need Joe Biden to not, he needs to stop acting like a Republican is what I would like. <laughs> I need him to push it farther. Oh, I well, just want him to go home and like have a nap and maybe retire. And the man has served enough. Let's just let the man retire. Let someone younger, probably uh, more qualified to lead the current nation. I think Joe Biden is a figurehead that sits in a position sort of like the queen did who kind of has some power, but doesn't. I'm just going to say this once. Local politics matter. They matter more than federal politics because when the federal government decides to fuck us over and take away our rights, our governors are the ones who are going to maintain our rights where we live. And our senators, like, come on, y'all, get Joe Manchin out of office. Vote Chris and Cinema out. Those assholes posing as Democrats is why our president can't get anything done. So let's make a change. <laughs> and here's I, the thing. We get to be the voice of our generation. We just get to because we decided this is the kind of place we want to live. We want to live in a nice place. And a nice place doesn't mean the same thing as it meant to our parents who raised us evangelical Republicans. Yeah. And vastly white communities, as far as I can tell. Right. Oh, and also taxes are not the worst thing in the world. And if they're going to provide more social services and holy heck, if it means we can get free health care, let's do it. I love for everyone. Yeah, for everyone. And this is this is actually a part of my dismantling slash figuring out who I wanted to become and what I thought about things is asking the question, what is government even for? For if we aren't beholden to the government because we're beholden to Jesus or something, what's the point of the government? And it became really clear to me as I was reading through the Old Testament with the lens of looking at it as a largely public policy document, especially the first five books. So you're looking at Deuteronomy, Numbers, etc. Those are books of law. And those are books that you can read and see how they were setting up an entire society to be monotheistic and to be centered on these specific values that they had around having one God and, and all of those pieces, what they were putting together was a way for government to be supportive of people. So even the idea of tithing, tithing originated as an effort to bring your tithe to the storehouse. So when in times of famine, we can distribute grain to everyone. So the tithe was like in the form of grain or in the form of, of something like that, that was of material value that could be used for the health and well-being of the entire community, not something you're just paying to your church to say, okay, here's my 10% and do whatever you want with it and spread the mission far and wide rather than taking care of our own people right here. One of the arguments I hear all the time from people who are very religious or in evangelicalism still is the church is here to help 
the poor. That's what the church is supposed to do. Government isn't supposed to do it. The church is supposed to do it. And I'm like, cool, show me when a church does that start? that's doing that without <laughs> having any strings attached to it or a time where, you know, yeah, maybe you do a soup kitchen or something. And a lot of churches are doing some good things, you know, like yeah. hosting Conestoga huts, which is a form of shelter in Eugene that we have. There's lots of different ways that churches can get involved in those kinds of service. But the truth is, to me, government is de facto that source of support for the well-being of an entire population of people. Mm -hmm. So that's where I have my values around what I vote for, what I prioritize. I came around to supporting abortion being pro-choice when I realized that my value is more freedom for more people. Whether I understand or will use that freedom for myself is a question that I don't need to answer because maybe I will someday need that. Maybe somebody I'm really close to will. But the truth is, I don't think we need to put restrictions on people's private behavior that absolutely does not affect you or anyone else in society. When we're talking about freeing people from systemic oppression and from the chains of patriarchy and religious oppression and white supremacy, et cetera. So that is where I come from with how I vote. I'm interested in how do we support the well-being of everyone in our communities, in our whole nation? And then mm -hmm. how do we also support the freedom for these folks who live alongside me? I don't want to control what they're able to do with their time or who they love or who they fuck. I don't care about that. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter mm -hmm. to me. It's not a part of my need for a society to operate. I'd love to have solid roads and bridges and decent public facilities for people, whether they generate enough in property tax or not. Yeah. I think this is a big part of, for me, looking at the inequities of our society and how baked in they they are is still so deeply based on race and where you happen to live, what zip codes you're in and what opportunities you have or haven't had. So that's to me a place where I think that evangelicals who are curious or people who didn't like being a part of the voter block who supported Donald Trump or being that 12% or whatever it was, 16% of people who didn't is really valuable. I think well, it's a thread to pull for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you talking about that brought back the biggest thread for me what really made the domino fall and where I was like I, I am I gotta be done with Republicans again it's because it's something that affected me personally and I hadn't really taken the time to learn about it but I got an STD and had some problems around that and had to have some biopsies and a leap procedure and all of these sort of things so that's hard enough to talk about in your Christian community or tell anyone about wait, I don't why think I, why is that hard to talk about oh, oh wait I wasn't supposed to be having sex you had sex uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't really want to say the word cervix in front of Charlene at the ladies' Bible study. Or you know? STD, right. right? I mean, yeah. right. it has the word yeah. sex in it. Yeah. Like, well, cool. What about STI? Is that no? Well, that okay. still has well, the word sexual in it. So I dealt with all of it. Uh, I was working a job and, you know, was responsible, got the things done. And then I quit that job to go pursue my dream job of being an event planner for this awesome, like farm to table dinner company. But they were literally, it was one other, like it's the owner and then it was me. And so she did not provide health insurance, but she provided me with a health insurance stipend. And this is pre-Obamacare. And so I went onto the marketplace to go get health insurance. And I, as a 25 or 26 year old woman, in America was denied over and over. I went through an insurance broker. I was told that I was uninsurable due to pre-existing conditions and it broke me. For like, the it was, rest of your life. I was just like, wait, like what? what? 
okay, first of all, doesn't everyone have an STD? Yes. I mean, it was just the answer is well, yes. Wild. Especially I mean, STD. Are you kidding me? Come on. It really Not showed me. me how healthcare is a human right. And the mm -hmm. fact that I was denied that right, it was so well, it, hurtful. Oh. It was terrifying. So I just went without health insurance for a while until I eventually, you either have to go work a job you don't like. So I had to either leave my dream job. It was just, the whole thing was a mess. And in Oregon, we have pretty good public health care. I had my daughter on the Oregon health plan in the pandemic. My husband and I both lost our jobs. We got an Oregon health plan. And it's not for everybody. It's an income bracket thing. And they're really great to pregnant women. And of course, there's some things like my quote unquote socialized medicine that, you know, I get less choice about who I'm going to go see. I don't care, dude. I had a baby for free. It cost me zero dollars. Yeah. Zero dollars. And you know what? 10,000. And that was in 2010. Yeah. If you want to talk about caring for babies, and if you want to provide a world where babies can be brought into the world safely, and you want to make a world where women want to have babies, how about you provide health care for them so that they can have babies for zero dollars and not go into debt? Yeah, don't make it babies. terrible and yeah. hard and expensive. And, right, like another list of demands, including family leave and including <laughs> universal so childcare and universal preschool and stuff. So yeah, go on. Mm -hmm. But where are we going to get this money from? I suggest from the police. Anyone else mm -hmm. have ideas? <laughs> uh, the military, corporations, tax the rich, all of it. Literally, good ideas. Keep them flowing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Same and keep this energy going. More ideas. I mean, Lindsay. I learned it all from like Bernie and. Liz Warren. So, you know, that's my queen, Liz. Liz oh Warren. She's I'm in love with Liz that woman Warren. has a plan Elizabeth. for every everything and, and they're girl. smart and they're thought through and they're yeah. equitable and they have empathy she, in them and she knows where that money's coming from like she's I not she's just so she's not conjuring smart. it out of thin air she no she's like hold on i got a spreadsheet like yeah. i love you, her yeah it's like if you have a leak and your water bill comes back and you're like how is this three thousand dollars and then you go and figure out where the leak is and then you plug it but like then you're able that was a bad metaphor i'm just gonna cut that whole fucking thing <laughs> Fuck that. But, <laughs> but Lindsay, this I want to know thing. what happened. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's money is fungible. That's a word I learned from Sarah Palin. So good job, Sarah Palin. You taught me, me one thing. NFTs, which reminds me of bros. So. Yeah, no, we don't have to talk about NFTs. Because I had the same experience as you did with health insurance. I was 25, 26. And my mom sent me to her fucking doctor who was super creepy to me. And he screened me for bipolar 2 and diagnosed me with it without any kind of support or follow-up on it. And he also diagnosed me with dysmenorrhea, which means you have painful periods. And I was denied health insurance based on those two diagnoses. Oh my God. They were barely real. Like they just stamped it on a form and then for it's that just moment in my medical on. records. And so when I applied for insurance on the open market, that's what I got back was I couldn't qualify anymore because of pre-existing conditions, just like Lindsay said. So I did go get a job that had health insurance. And in all reality, the fact that our health insurance is tied to our employers, yeah, the fact that our retirement is tied to our employers, the fact that so much of our our shit comes from the people who employ us rather than from a more collective basis or a place that would benefit more people who aren't able to have jobs at places that offer you good benefits. Like, yep. I don't know, Walmart, which is one of the places that employs the most people who have to use public benefits to survive. It's mm. a ridiculous thing. We're already offering that kind of welfare, well-being for people who do have jobs. Why are we doing it this way? 
Couldn't we support an idea where we're streamlining that system? Because the other truth is I used to work in insurance and uh, I can tell you right now that health insurance is not actually insurance. Health insurance is like buying a fucking crazy maintenance policy, a warranty on something that you probably still won't get the value out of. You know, it's like when you buy any electronic and they're like, oh, you're buying this kid's tablet. Do you want to support its uh, well-being for two years for 200 more dollars or whatever? That's what health insurance is. It's not even insurance. It's just a, a total scam. Capitalism <laughs> is so yeah. fun, guys. It's so it's fun. So fun. Well, because insurance is not the healthcare part of it. Right. It's and just it's- the capitalism part of it. So it's like, that's the fucked up part. I mean, literally, and no offense to, I have many friends who work in coordinated care organizations and other health insurance things, but it is a layer of bureaucracy between me and my doctor that I don't personally need. And also that's a funny way to say it. Another thing I probably heard from Sarah Palin is also how it already works. So it's much worse this way. I had OHP as well for a while. And part of what I loved about it is I didn't get seven bills every yeah. time I went. So confusing. And it's like, is this one I'm paying? Or did my insurance pay that one? I don't know. Yeah. Do I call? You'll get sent to collections over a bill. I didn't even realize. I am a smart person who is good at navigating the world and navigating health insurance and what I owe and what I have to pay feels yeah. impossible. So and also, dumb. can we not talk about how many people have conditions that could be solved and they don't go to the doctor because they don't know if it's going to be covered or not like how many lives yeah, or they can't afford like the copay and right because wait. you're terrified like when i'm on ohp i go to the doctor all the time for any little thing i'm like thank you oregon for your health care and so i just got a mammogram and i just ran a bunch of stool samples for my ibs and i am going to a dermatologist what? to get my moles checked out like i am handling my shit my employer pays so much for my health coverage and my copays and my deductibles are so fucking high that i will avoid the doctor at my age with my income i'm like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, you should not do that. This is insane. It's like a lot of money is going into this scam and I'm the person who's not benefiting from it. It's so dumb. I'm trying to get everything handled because my husband works in healthcare now and they auto-enrolled him in their plan. And so when open enrollment hands, like, well, my daughter and I will probably jump over to his plan. But I was like, I don't know what's going to be covered. And he had like some weird thing. He thought maybe he broke something in his foot. He had all this foot pain. And so he went in to get it looked at on his new insurance at his employer, went to his employer and they had auto-enrolled him in a really, really crappy plan with a super high deductible and they wouldn't cover the visit. What? So look at his foot. That's so obviously he needs to change the plan, but I was just hilarious. like, like almost like, you've, you've got to be, it's so broken. It's so I, broken. I, I can't, it's just not like, acceptable. Yeah. I have yeah. a direct primary care physician who I pay every month to be my doctor because that's what I did after OHP because honestly, I was like, I don't want to buy insurance. I was a consultant at the time. I just didn't want to have to find a way to pay all that money that I wouldn't really see back in value ever. It's not like money that idea. comes back. Yeah, that is like, like bring your tie to your house. You know, yeah. when you need it, it'll be there. It's just like, pay these people and never see that money again in hundreds to thousands of dollars a month. So I have a primary That's care right. physician. I, I know someone, it was Margot's pediatrician. He moved to Hood Reverend. I think he just does direct to family, just people pay him to come. I don't I don't know the legality of it and how all that works. Um, I will it's say, That's do cool. you guys know about like Christian insurance companies? Oh my God, <laughs> yes, I do. Because my, did your, was, my family was on one when no. I broke my arm. I have two metal plates. 
in my arm and I broke it in gymnastics, had to get surgery, had to get plates inserted. And I remember, it's funny, these are things my parents probably won't admit to me. I remember like you have to pay everything out of pocket because yeah. it's not real insurance in the sense that, you know, they decided it was covered. And then people, rather than paying like a premium, they're sending checks directly to you. So strangers are sending money to my family and they were sending cards and some of it was really sweet and nice. So it's supposed That's to be like cute. the body of Christ taking care of each other. But I think it took like so long yeah. for people to pay and all that. And it's funny, like when it came down to it, I was supposed to get the metal plates taken out of my arm. Mm -hmm. But I think that all that was very expensive for my parents. They never said a word to me. When I was in eighth grade. They didn't worry yeah. me. But when I was not super down with having surgery again, they were like, yes, yes, that is a great decision. <laughs> and needless to say, after that event, I think we moved to California and we were never on Christian health insurance. A concept, I'm sure it came out of the book of Acts. They were like, we're going to buck the government and we're going to figure out our own way. But at the end of the day, the reason why the government has to do what they do is because people kind of suck and they don't do the things that they're supposed to do and they don't take care of each other. Some churches do take care of people, but not enough. The right. need is too great. And you know what? Everyone needs health insurance. Everyone has to go to the doctor. Everyone is going to get injured and sick and have babies and all of that. I just Let's feel like- turn churches, sorry, Sarai, not into pubs, mm. but into community doctors. If a church, instead of hiring a pastor full-time, hired a doctor full-time, and everyone in my neighborhood could just walk next door if we had anything happen, and we would just walk in and receive free medical service from the church, and the church community could pay for it. They could tithe if they wanted to. They, you know? they, they do exist. My priest's husband works for a free clinic that runs out of a church and they provide full-blown medical care. I love it. Free to people. More of that, please. They had me consult with them on marketing stuff and they were specifically trying to do Spanish language marketing and you know their social media felt real churchy, but at the same time, I'm like, whatever, you're providing free medical care. That's what Jesus would do. I mean, I love it. And also, let's just go up a few levels and say, what if it's not just the church? It's the government slash community that we're all paying into, we're all supporting so that we have the ability to support the well-being of all people who are governmental overreach. Yeah, I think it's, it's, not. it's not. I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> like, just, but can we just say community care? If the word government is too triggering for people, like fine, whatever. What I'm talking about is that we as a community get to decide the system we have set up right now is government. It just is. So sorry. When the government rolls out some of those programs, y'all, Obamacare is not going away. You know why? Because Democrats and Republicans fucking love it because yeah. it's benefited everyone. Republicans, you know, they've stopped harping on it because they know it is an incredibly popular program because it helps the community. Well, Meg, you have talked a lot about local action. And I agree with you. I think that especially with the Supreme Court stacked as it is, that local is the place to apply leverage, the place to actually make a difference, to be involved on a personal basis, whether you're going to run for office or support other people who are and or what kinds of policies do you want to support? I'm personally very interested in legislative advocacy and I support other people doing that a lot. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and kind of how you've come to that as an approach and what that's looking like for you right now. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to when we were talking about our missions trips. When I saw what I could do, just me, like little old me could do in some other country somewhere, I realized I don't have to just do that in some other country somewhere. So when I got back to the States, my, I guess he was my fiance at the time. He had gone on a short-term missions trip similar to mine right before me. And when we got back together in the States, we started a program at our church called DOW. 
doers of the word. And it was just like us That's as youth adorable. leaders. <laughs> Like so, precious, precious. I mean, we it we were the leaders. It was DOW. We had all these high school kids that would come on Tuesdays and Saturdays and we would meet and we would just talk about what types of service we could do in our community for our neighbors. And then we would go out and we would do it. We didn't have a ton of kids. We weren't like a super popular youth group thing that everyone wanted to do. But when we did go into our neighborhood and our community and just help people, it was really nice. It was a nice way to spend an afternoon. You know, that's what I'm trying to do in my neighborhood. I think the pandemic isolated me in a way that I had never been isolated before, even from touching other people, being in the same space, hearing a group of people laugh. I missed those kind of human things. So I remembered back to doers of the word and I thought, what the heck? What would that look like now? The me today who believes kind of a lot of the same things that I believed back when I was doing DOW, I kind of believe a lot of the same stuff. So how do I just do that now as an adult who has financial stability and a home and a garden space and what are the things that I can do to give back to my community. I don't think I'm making some massive difference on a global scale but that's not what matters to me. What matters to me is my neighbors, my family, the safety of everyone around us. And I want that community to grow. I want it to grow bigger and broader and further and wider. And it matters to me that my state has the same values. I don't want to move. I like my neighborhood. I like my street. I like my friends. I like my life and I like giving to this community. And so I would love for other people to join us. And I want to grow that community in a way Way that reaches maybe across the nation. I mean, that would be amazing. That's not my goal, though. My goal is just here and local and Oregon. And I'm excited. What can we, what can we name it now? Doers of the world. Doers <laughs> of the world. Oh, Dow. The new Dow Jones Industrial. Yeah, the new Dow. Yeah, I think that's, I love that that still I love that. informs you. Yeah, that's lovely. It's funny because as I was hearing you say that, I thought of the quote that's usually attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, which was preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And while I no longer preach the gospel of Jesus is the only way, I do still preach a lot of gospel. Gospel is truth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the truth. And capital T truth is universally true. It isn't a thing we just go from one culture to another. There's a lot of cultural relativity that we can exercise and understand context and stuff. But there's some things that are just true, which I'd say a basic universal human value is freedom. A basic universal human value is compassion. Mm -hmm. A basic universal human value is love and affection and care for your fellow human and animals and the environment. It's just is natural to want to extend to create community, whether we're extroverts or introverts or whatever, we need each other to survive on this planet. And we need each other to have a better quality of life. For me, politics is one thing, but the action that can be taken and the progress that can be made through political action on the local level, on the individual level, and also on the collective level, is so powerfully important and had potential to change lives of people throughout our country, throughout our cities, in our whole nation, and across the world, really. Wow, I feel so optimistic. I'm going to start singing. <laughs> Why are there so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to bust into a worship song. I was ready for that. That is a worship song. 
Let's put that yeah, on the worship fair album. Enough. Perfect. We will be recording a worship album at some point, clearly. That's it's happening. Just... That's right. All we have to do is just take a singing three-second clips of songs and put it together to yes. string a whole album long. It's going to be so fun for people to <laughs> I listen love it. to. I have some requests. <laughs> call to action. Okay. This okay. is our call to action today. At the end of this sermon, we have a few important points to reiterate. One, vote your values, bitches. Okay? Don't let your church or anyone else tell you what the right way to vote is is look at what your real values are and what you want to have happen in the world. What do you care about? Who do you care about? Why do you care about them? What makes these issues important to you? And how can you make the world a little bit better by voting in a way that supports more freedom if that's what you're into or supports other people who might not be you, even if you're not going to use some of these things. And be then, an informed voter. Read informed, and yeah. understand what people stand for and really what they stand for, not what other people say they stand for. Please vote intelligently. Yeah. If you're on Facebook, look at people's Facebook pages that don't agree with you. And then don't just go there to argue with them. Maybe take a look at what they're offering and see if it's of use to you. Lindsay, do you have any tips? I always love looking at who endorses certain candidates. Like if there's organizations that I really believe in the work that they're doing. Oregon Voters guys does a really good job. I will pick a night and I will make myself a nice cocktail and I will sit down, get involved, be informed, and have conversations with people in your life. I have done some phone banking for candidates. That's fine and good but at the end of the day like your real ability to affect change is talking to your neighbors. I think that's really true Lindsay and I think it's important for us to make sure that as we're having these kinds of conversations we're again going back to those values that are universal that we're not allowing anyone else to tell us how we should vote just because they think that's how we should vote. Get involved, stay informed and involve your family. Get out there and vote but don't vote just because you think your pastor will like it. Cool? Anyway Anyway, Stacey Adams should rule the world, and this has been Holy Ghost Day. Is that good? Love it. Is that a good answer? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok. 